Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <clears throat> so we are here in the house of the Lord this morning. You can greet somebody next to you. Tell them, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> amen. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> and the Lord is so good to us. Every day we see his grace. If you think about, <clears throat> you didn't think to wake up, did you? Huh? Any of you who thought, let me wake up now. You don't think, isn't it? Behind the scene, God is taking care of you. God is thinking about you all the time. Sometimes you find that we get discouraged because we want people to think about us more than God thinking about us. So if you can just acknowledge that God is always thinking about you, he is mindful of you, you may be fast asleep, God is thinking about you, he cares for you. Amen. Amen. So it means when I'm awake now and I want to ask him something, he already knew what I was going to go through. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Nothing takes God by surprise. Amen. 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 So it means we need to be encouraged that God is always thinking about us. We are so special to him. We are precious before him. When we ask him something, we are not bothering him. It's a pleasure for him to do things for us because he's our father, because he cares for us. So I just want us to have that attitude that God is mindful of us. God is always thinking about us. He wants to do us good. Can we go to the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 5? We'll do it in the ERV. Zephaniah 3, 5, ERV. I want you just to look at God's attitude toward us <clears throat> so that what we are going to talk about today, then you may be encouraged to realize God is always thinking about you. God wants to do you good. God is looking for opportunities to bless you. Amen. Let me <clears throat> simplify it for you this way as we're getting ready for Zephaniah 3 verse 5. If somebody has done something wrong, people search for that person to punish him. Isn't it? Yeah. Now, I want to share with you how God's love works. Think of it that way. If somebody has done something wrong, people look for him to punish him. Now, with God's love, God is looking for people to bless. He's searching. He's looking for opportunities to get somebody that he can release his love on. We are the objects of his love. Amen. Just being a human being, you qualify to be loved by God. Tell somebody next to you, you qualify to be loved by God. 
The fact that you are a human being, God loves you. Amen. Think, look at how he thinks about us. Zephaniah 3 verse 5 ERV. But the Lord is still in that city. Yes, he is. And he continues to be good. Yes. So the Lord continues to be good. Mm -hmm. He does not do anything wrong. Amen. Amen. He does not do anything wrong. So sometimes when you think, oh, but what about this? What about this? What? He says he does not do anything wrong. He's always thinking about the good to bestow upon you. Mm -hmm. He continues to help his people. So he will help you. Mm. Any of you need God's help? I need it. He will help us. Mm -hmm. Morning after morning, he makes good decisions for them. So morning after morning, he's making good decisions for us. So today, there's a load for today. Amen. You know, the Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. So it means morning after morning, he's making good decisions. So today, there are decisions for today for me. Good ones. Amen. Good ones. So even beyond what I can think about for myself. Not many of us were thinking about the good that's coming your way today. But God was thinking about them. Amen. Morning after morning, he makes good decisions for them. Mm -hmm. Not a day passes without his justice. Mm. He never gives a decision that is crooked or is something to be ashamed of. Amen. So this is how God is thinking about us. Morning after morning, making good decisions for us. Morning after morning, every time thinking about, I just want to bless my people. It's my nature to love. It's my nature to bless. It's my nature to be good. So if God is a good God, he does good. Amen. Amen. And I'm looking always for the Lord's grace, the Lord's favor. Amen. Amen. And I want you to think about that because sometimes we spend a lot of time worried about why people are not appreciating us. Why are people doing this? Why is that one troubling me with this? This is my problem, pastor. This is that. And we forget about God who is always thinking about us every day. Morning after morning making good decisions for us. Because we are focusing so much on what the enemy is doing to us, we end up magnifying that. And then we end up not experiencing the goodness of God. But if you can, in the midst of anything, anything, it doesn't matter what you're going through, good or bad, God is thinking about good about you. He wants to bless you. He wants to do you good. Amen. Morning after morning. So today I just want us to talk about you are special to God. Amen. You are special to him. So that's why I'm saying let's minimize focusing on getting attention from people. Because if you get the favor of God, he will then emanate him from his favor. Then he will make people to also favor you. Amen. But don't do it the other way around where you start with the favor of people in a way that you end up forgetting God. Amen. Sometimes you find even between husbands and wives, do you know that some husbands and wives, they love each other more than they love God? And it's a problem. Because when you fight, you will have no mediator. 
Amen. It is God who brought you together, isn't it? So he should remain number one in our lives. So if we always value him above everything else, then he will make sure that the other things are in place. That's why the Bible talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So go to Psalms chapter 8, verse 4 to 6. We'll do it in the... You can study it in any translation, and after that we'll do it good news. I just want to show you that God, you are always in the mind of God. Whether you are sleeping, whether you are awake, whether you are in trouble or whether you are not in trouble, just as long as you are a human being, you are an object of God's love. You are special to God. And may we experience the goodness of the Lord every day of our lives. Psalms 8 verse 4 to 6. What is a man that you are mindful of him? Mm. And the son of earthborn man that you care for him? So, why, so the psalmist here was surprised. Why are you so much mindful of people? Why, why would you be thinking about them? Mm. What, what is a man that, how special is he that you've got to think about him? Imagine God thinking about you. Do you know that if a prominent person person, a prominent politician thinks about you, maybe writes you a mail or phones you. Oh, that day, you're going to tell all of us, hey, I received, today I received a call from whoever. Because you feel so special, isn't it? How about God thinking about you? Thinking about you? Individually, not as a group. Mindful of you. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Mm. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That's God's view about you. He's so mindful of us. He cares for us. He's actually, when he created us, he made us in his image. So he created us, he made us to be just a little lower than him. Okay? Because we are so special. And then he crowned us with glory and honor. So I'm honorable. Amen. And I will walk in honor. Amen. The problem is that sometimes people tell you you are nothing, you will never amount to nothing, you are this, you are that. They didn't create you. That's why they are mistaken. God says he has created me, he has made me just to be a little lower than him. I'm created in his image. And then he crowned me with glory and honor. And he appointed me to rule over everything he has made. Do it in the good news. What are human beings that you think of them? Mere mortals that you care for them. So he says mere mortals that you care for them. Mm -hmm. Yet you made them inferior only to yourself. So we are not inferior to anything else except to God. Mm. You made them inferior only to yourself. Mm -hmm. You crowned them with glory and honor. Mm. You appointed them rulers over everything you made. Mm. You placed them over all creation. Repeat verse 6, because I'm appointed. You appointed them rulers over everything you made. 
you place them over all creation. Amen. Am I looking at kings? Am I looking at people that have been appointed by God? I'm appointed by God. Amen. It says, you appointed them rulers over everything you made. So he, he has appointed me as a king. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm created in his image. He appointed me as a king to rule over his creation. Amen. So it means our, minds, our mindset should change. And we start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. The problem is that we are seeking attention from a right, wrong place. You're seeking attention from people. That's why you're getting disappointed and discouraged. But if you think about God who's mindful of you day and night, he's making good decisions for you. He wants to, he's crowning you with honor and glory. Amen. Amen. And he's appointed as rulers over everything he has made. So he does not only think about me for now. He thinks about me all the time. He even thinks about my future. Amen. Do you know that sometimes as parents, there are parents who already think you find a child is born this month and now they want an education policy when he passes. That child will pass grade 12 in 12, 13 years to come. Because it's parents, isn't it? Thinking about the future of this newborn baby. How much more does God think about you? Amen. He's thinking about my future as I'm speaking to you now. He knows my future. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I know he's got everything made for me. You may be like Joseph, who, even though his destiny was already sealed, when he was going through all those challenges, you remember the turmoil, the things, the brothers rejecting him, wanting to kill him, throwing him in the pit, selling him over to the foreign land. And then when he was there, accused of something that he never did, accused of rape, taken to prison, charged, sentenced, found guilty for something he never did, sentenced for a long time. I don't know how long was he going to stay in jail, that guy. Amen. But you know, he was in jail for quite some years. And then... God was working behind the scene. Because your future, your destiny is sealed. It doesn't matter. There may be some moving around. You go there, this way, that way, that way, that way, that way, that way, that way. But you will ultimately reach your destiny. Amen. Tell your neighbor, don't look at the pathways I'm taking. Look at where I'm going. Amen. Amen. Don't you know that when you get to places, there is this thing, the people who do project management, sometimes you've got the critical path, sometimes you've got some path that just go this way, that way, that way, but you've got the, what do we call that, the, the place where you're going, the arrival there, it a expected time of Arrival or completion, when you, where you are going. That's where we are looking for. We do not mind much about this. We know we are busy with a project. 
We know where we are going. And God already knows my end from the beginning. He does not start with me unless he has finished with me. Amen. You see, it's only people who start something and think as they go. Amen. God finishes and then he starts. Amen. He finishes and then he starts. He says, this is where you are going. Now, to get you there, then we're going through that. And your enemy sometimes even tries to block you. Tries to stop you. Tries to do this to frustrate your dream. To frustrate and confuse you where you are going. But hold in there. Your future is guaranteed. Jeremiah 29.11, King James Version. We know we like this one. Jeremiah 29.11, the King James Version. Because God is thinking. God is mindful of us. He's always thinking about us. He's even thinking about our future. He wants to give us an expected ending. A good ending. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. You see, God is not influenced by people's opinion. Tell your neighbor, God is not influenced by people's opinion. He knows his thoughts about me. Mm-hmm. Sayeth the Lord. Mm. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. You see, God is very clear. Because sometimes people say, whatever I go through, it's God. Even the evil that I'm going through is God. You didn't read Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the thoughts that I think about you. I know the plans that I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. So he makes it clear. Isn't it? So it means if there is something bad happening to me now, some calamity, this, this, it's not God's thoughts. It's the enemy that's trying to interfere with God's plan in my life. So I'm not going to bow down to this. The situation has to change because we are going to my destiny. God says he's taking me to an expected end. To a future, a good future and a hope. Read it and finish it. And to give you an expected end. Mm. So you want the end. There is an ending that is working me toward. And he wants, he wants to give me an expected end. A good ending. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you? Your ending is bright. Amen. Amen. You don't need somebody to prophesy over you. It's like that. God has already said it. So I can prophesy. Somebody can prophesy. We can just confirm what God has already said. You've got to have a good ending. You've got to quit at a high note. Amen. Amen. He says, I know the thoughts. These are my plans. We are so special to God that, okay, go to Psalms 17 verse 8 and Zechariah 2 8. We're doing it in the New King James. I want to show you that you are so special to God and you are precious to God. You are like the apple of his eye. 
You know, if somebody wants to touch your eye, quickly go to defend that. Now, if somebody wants to touch you, they are trying to touch the apple of God's eye. And God is not going to leave it like that. We are so special to God. Okay, do it Psalms 17, 8, New King James Version, and then Zechariah 2, 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. So he says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Preserve me like the apple of your eye. Go to Zechariah 2, 8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After he has honored me and has sent me against the nations and have plundered you for whoever touches, touch, touches the apple of his eye. So whoever touches you, do it in the New King James. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Do you see what people are doing when they are touching you? Do you see what danger they are bringing upon themselves? That's why I don't have an enemy myself. The people may be my enemies, but I do not consider them. I don't hold any grudge against them. Because if they touch me, they are putting themselves in trouble. Because it says when you touch me, you are touching the apple of God's eye. I'm so special to God that God takes care of me. I'm so special to God that God covers me, he preserves me. I'm his own special person. I'm special. Tell your neighbor I'm special. Whoever touches me touches the apple of God's eye. Amen. Amen. So, and you cannot touch the apple of God's eye and go untouched. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so don't touch me. You can greet me. That's fine. But don't touch me with an intent to harm me. Because God is on my side. Amen. I'm actually his own chosen nation. We are a royal priesthood. Amen. So let's do it in 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9, the New King James Version. Because we are a royal priesthood. But you are a chosen generation. Amen. A royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. A holy nation. Mm. His own special people. Mm. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. I want us to look closely at this portion of scripture. It says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Do you know what, is, what does it mean to be royal? That's why I deserve royal treatment. Amen. Royal treatment. I need to be treated like somebody who is a king from the royal family. The royal kingdom. Amen. Amen. And when you are a royal priesthood, what do priests do? Priests offer 
sacrifices unto the Lord. So, we offer our sacrifices of praise unto the Lord. He receives our worship, our praise. But we also offer our offerings unto the Lord. When you are giving your offerings, your tithes, your building fund contribution, you are doing your priestly duty. You are a priest. You offer things to the king. Amen? So you need to see your, 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 your act of worship as you are offering your offerings to the Lord as a priest. Will that change your attitude when it comes to giving? You know, now I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my offerings as a priest. Amen. Amen. And may the Lord receive my offering as a sweet-smelling aroma unto him. Amen. Amen. Because I'm a priest. So what kind of a priest are you who doesn't offer anything? We are royal priests to offer praises unto him. To offer our offerings unto him. And let's do it joyfully. Amen. If you still grumble when it comes to giving, you do not understand your role as a priest. Because priests offer offerings unto the Lord. And do it joyfully because if you do not do it joyfully and you do it like Cain, God is not desperate of offerings. He will not accept your offering. Because you're doing it to God, isn't it? Yeah. It says we are a royal priesthood. So I've got to be treated like somebody from the royal family. But it means also my offerings, I give them like somebody who is from a royal family. Because I'm a royal priesthood. I'm not just a priest, I'm a royal priesthood. Amen? And it says a holy nation, his own special people. And it's not being proud. Because sometimes people say, you think you are so special. Tell them, go to First Peter. When somebody tells you, do you think you are so special? Tell them, go to First Peter 2.9. You are God's own special people. Say, no, pastor, but that's pride. Can I tell you what is pride? Pride is when you are objecting what God has said and you think you know better than God. So if you say, I'm not special, that's pride. (laughs) Because God says you are special. Isn't it? The moment you think you know better than God, then you are proud. The moment you want your word to supersede God's word, then you are proud. Isn't it? So it says you are his own special people. I'm special. You are special. You are sitting to somebody next to somebody who is special. Can you look at somebody next to you? You just saw somebody special. Amen. You just saw the apple of God's eye. Amen. Amen. Special. Special people. Amen. Amen. And we are so much special that as God, you remember the other verse we read earlier, it says he has appointed us to rule over the works of his hands. But after he created and placed us on the earth, 
He actually placed us as himself on the earth. That's why when he gave us authority to rule, he wanted us to rule on his behalf. And he has placed us on this earth. That's why we are ambassadors for Christ. Let's go for it. 2 Corinthians 5.20, New King James Version. I want to explain this to you because when you are this special, when you are a royal priesthood, when you are God's special people, and you are an ambassador, behave like one. Live like one. Have the mentality of an ambassador. The problem with some ambassadors is that they think like people of the earth. We are in this world, but we are not of this world, isn't it? Yeah. Now, that's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Okay, let me put it in simple terms. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. Okay? There is a pattern of the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we are actually here on assignment as ambassadors. So obviously, I should continue to think in line with my kingdom, even though I'm in this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So if you are an American ambassador in South Africa, you don't think like South Africans. You talk dollars, you don't talk rents. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You talk dollars, you don't talk rents. Amen. Your thinking, your language, everything about you is American. Amen. So it means if I'm an ambassador for Christ, everything about me should be Christ-like. That's the kingdom I represent. Read it for us. Now and then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, so as an ambassador, there is a way that my kingdom treats me, but I'm also here on a mission to make sure that people are reconciled to God, to tell people about my kingdom, that indeed our God loves you. So we have experienced the love of God, we can share the love of God with other people. We have experienced it ourselves. We know that God is good. We will talk for God and talk about his goodness. Amen. People who are not ambassadors, they talk bad about God. Disaster strikes, oh, it's all the works of God. Don't talk about my kingdom when you are not an ambassador. Amen. Amen. You know, people are very quick. <clears throat> you see, it's the works of God. But when people are blessed, they don't say it's the works of God. Now it's like when people are blessed, it's the works of the devil. And when people are cursed, it's the works of God. You've mixed things around. Haven't you noticed that when something bad happens, oh, it's all God's works, we should just accept it. But that's the first time they're talking about God, when there is disaster. Every time when there were blessings, it was not the works of God. Now, it's only the works of God because things are bad. No, you're mixing things around. God says, my plans are not for evil. My plans are not for disaster. Okay? I don't treat my ambassadors like that. 
Amen. You are ambassadors. You are here on a mission. So, if the work is not yet finished, it's not time for ambassadors to go yet. We're still on a mission here. There is work to do here. Amen. Occupy till I come. Amen. We are ambassadors. And we have to make people get reconciled to God. And we've got to talk in line with our kingdom. And as ambassadors, even our provision, we are provided for from our country of origin. You know Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to So he's reminding you. My God doesn't supply all your needs according to the country where you are in. My God doesn't supply all your needs according to the economy of South Africa. He supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's why it doesn't matter what happens to the economy of the country. You are not provided for by the economy of your country. You are provided for by your country of origin, your kingdom. That's why as a child of God, you should never not give. Don't behave like people of the world. Where you think you work things yourself. No, I don't even, I can't even afford to tithe. I can't even afford to give. Others are giving toward the building fund. We are excited about building the Lord's house. Uh, That's not for me. Which kingdom are you working for? Because that's your father's kingdom. That's your father's kingdom. Be busy with your father's kingdom. Be excited about your father's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Because you are an ambassador. Even your protection. Isn't it that when you are an ambassador, the embassy, the, the American ambassadors in South Africa, who protects them? Their own country. That's what you do for ambassadors. So we are in a foreign land, but we are taken care of by our country of origin. Our heavenly kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. That's why the Lord said, occupy till I come. So I've placed you on earth as ambassadors. Reflect my kingdom to the people. Talk about my goodness to the people. Tell them how good I am. Let them see you, me in you. Amen. Amen. And because God is so much loving us, his love is actually looking for opportunities, like I said when I began, to do good to us. Sometimes you feel, Pastor, you just don't know. I'm not worthy. I've been so bad. I've done this and this and this. Even the state that I'm at today is because of my foolishness. I've done so many bad things, Pastor. I don't think God would forgive me. I just, I even hate myself. You know, there are people who even say that. I even hate myself. I can't see how God would ever forgive me. Did you know that God loves you in spite of yourself? He doesn't love you because of what you've done. He loves you because you are an object of his love. 
agape, God's unconditional love. So I'll give, let me give you this example. Let's go to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want to show you how God's love is bestowed. When we talk about the love of God, the kindness of God, it's not bestowed according to who you are. It's bestowed according to God's loving kindness. And then you become an object of his love. So going to 2 Samuel chapter 9 from verse 1, we'll do it in the amplified version. Because I want to show you that when God does things for you, it's because he's remembering the covenant that he has made in the blood of Jesus. He's remembering what Jesus has done for you on the cross. When Jesus died for me on the cross, you know when God heals me, he's not healing me for my own sake. He's healing me for what Jesus went through. You remember he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I'm healed. So it means when God is healing me, he's healing me for the sake of what Christ went through. Amen. Amen. In other words, he says, Jesus has already gone through this. Why should this one go through it? No ways. He can't go through it because Jesus has gone through it. Then you receive your healing. You claim your healing. You walk in divine health. Amen. Look at this. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse one, from verse 1 amplified. And David said, mm. Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want you to look at that question. He says, is there still anyone left? In other words, I'm just looking for any person in the house of Saul whom I can show kindness for the sake of Jonathan. So in this case, I want to equate Jonathan with, Jonathan with Christ. Is there anybody on the earth that I can show kindness to for the sake of my son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Because our covenant with God is through Christ. So actually then God is remembering his covenant and saying, for the sake of Christ, I'm looking for people so that they can be my, the object of my love. Amen. Uh-huh. And of the house of Saul, there was a servant whose name was Ziba. When they had called him to David, he said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. The king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the unfailing, unsought, and unlimited mercy and kindness of God? So he says he wants to show the unfailing, unsought, unlimited, we should even say undeserved mercy and kindness of God. It's unlimited, unsought, unlimited, un, unmerited. But I want to show that to someone. You don't have to be something, you to have done something or anything. Is there somebody from the house of Saul? So is there somebody on the earth that I can show my kindness to. That I can bestow my love upon. Mm -hmm. Ziba replied, 
Jonathan has yet a son who is lame in his feet. But why, why do they say that? Why didn't he just say Jonathan has an, a son still? He says Jonathan has a son who is lame in his feet. He's trying to say mm, there may be a person but I'm not sure if this one would fit the king. <laughs> if this one would fit the king's criterion. Because he was just supposed to say there is a son called Mephibosheth. But he says, Jonathan has a son who is lame in his feet. Mm-hmm. And the king said, where is he? Mm. Ziba replied, he is in the house of my key son of Amil in Londibar. Okay. So some sons are still in the house of Makir in Lodibar when they shouldn't be there. Look at how God is thinking about you. So I want you to think, equate yourself with Mephibosheth, who thinks, I do not deserve this. I'm fine here at Lodeba. Mm-hmm. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Micah, son of Amil, at Lodeba. And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and did obscene obeisance. David said, Mephibosheth, he answered, Behold your servant. David said to him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. So why was Mephibosheth shown kindness? For the sake of Jonathan. It's not about you, Mephibosheth. It's not about you, it's about Christ. I'm doing this for the sake of my son, Jesus Christ. Can I get somebody that I can bless for the sake of all that Jesus wrought on the cross? Amen. Amen. Can I be given that opportunity? That's what God is saying. Jesus has done so much on the cross. I want the objects that I can bestow this love upon. Based on the covenant I have in Christ. Mm-hmm. And we will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, grandfather, and you shall eat at my table always. Okay, so he was at Lodebar. Now the king says, come and eat at my table always. Amen. You remember that story the other time I shared with some of you, some children of God are feeding on crumbs when they should be feeding on delicacies that God has prepared. Amen. Because you, you do not realize how special you are to God. You are still in Lodeba thinking that that's fine for me. This is what befits me. I don't want to be proud. I'm comfortable on crumbs. Mm-mm. The king says, come and eat at my table. Mm-hmm. And the crippled bowed himself and said, what is your servant that he shall look upon such a dead dog as I am? So can you see that Mephibosheth was looking at himself as unworthy? But was it about Mephibosheth? Mm-mm. He didn't say, I'm looking for somebody that I can bless for their own sake. He says, I'm looking for somebody that I can show kindness for the sake of Jonathan. So it's not about you. That's why you don't even have to think, am I worthy or am I not worthy? Amen. 
is because of Christ. So God is saying, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of what Jesus has done on the cross, I want human beings that I can bestow my love upon. Mm -hmm. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. And you shall till the land for, and you shall till the okay, land for him. Now. Okay. Most of the things that happened in the Old Testament, they are like a shadow of things to come. So this story, I want to equate it with our relationship with God. Okay? King David as a king, seeking out to Mephibosheth, who felt he was not worthy. But the king was doing it for the sake of Jonathan. And then the king was saying, now you come and dine at my table. But I also want to prepare servants for you. How many of you know that angels are servants to serve us? Amen. Amen. They are angels that serve us. Even when I go from here, the angel of the Lord encamps around me. Amen. And protect me. Amen. He has given his angels charge over me. To protect me in all my ways. So angels have got to serve me. Because I'm special to God. So listen to what the king says to Ziba. And you shall till the land for him. Mm. You, your sons and your servants. And you shall bring in the produce. That your master's heir may have food to eat. Mm. But Matthew Boseth, your master's son, shall eat always at my table. Always at the king's table. Mm. Can we always say, can we all say always at the king's table? Read verse 13. So Methibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, even though he was lame in both feet. Do you get that? He ate continually at the king's table, even though. You see, people always think about whether you deserve to be at the king's table. So it doesn't matter what your limitations are. Okay? You can dine always at the king's table. You can always eat at the king's table. The problem is that most children of God do not know who they are. They do not know what God has in store for them. They think they are humble. They are like that. You remember the two sons. Let's go there in Luke chapter 15. I think I like this one. Luke chapter 15. I'll give you the example of the two sons. I always like these two sons. But in the past I used to like to love the elder one. Now I love the younger one. Because the younger one knew his rights. You remember the story of a prodigal son? This father had two sons. Again, he's teaching us something. Okay? The one son said to the father, I want my portion. The son knew that he had an inheritance from the father. And he knew how to claim it. Then he was given it. Unfortunately, he went away and abused it and finished everything he had. Okay? After everything was finished, he felt, I'm no longer worthy. You remember the story? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I think I'll go back to my father. He says, my father has got everything. 
But now I'm here starving. I'm here having nothing. By the way, are there still some Christians who are starving? Your father has everything. So, think like this. Like that prodigal son. He says, here am I starving while my father has everything. I'll go to my father. So it means, when you are starving, the father will not come to you. You go to the father. So some people are starving and say, but if it's God's will, go to the father. You will see that it's his will. So he said, let me go to the father. But when I go to him, I really can't approach him like a son. I rather must ask him to be one of his servants. Servants? When God has got so many servants, isn't it? all the angels, all the, he wants sons. So now, this father only had two sons. Do you think this father is going to add to the servants and only remain with one son? No. So when this guy was coming back, thinking that the father would be so much angry with him, because some of you do something funny and you think, I don't think God will accept me anymore. It's not for your sake, it's for the sake of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You don't have to be worthy. Jesus has done it for you on the cross. So as he was approaching the father, the Bible says, the father saw him from a distance. The father was excited. So just when you are about to repent and think, I really want to come back to God. I'm ashamed of what I've done. I don't know how I will face God, but I've got to go to him. God says, that's good. Just when you think of taking that step, God is already out wanting to embrace you. And there will be so much joy in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. As you are repenting, as you are coming back home, the heavenlies are excited. Look at what the excitement here in Luke chapter 15 from verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Okay, the father says to his servants, So the father has commanded his angels to take care of me. Yes, the father. That's my father. Can you you tell your neighbor, the father has commanded his angels to take care of me. Mm. That's why the devil cannot kill me. In Jesus' name. Mm. You've got to say it for yourself. I can't say it for you. I can pray for you. But I can't say it for you. Amen. 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 And may you, may you affirm my prayers by saying it for yourself. Amen. Because when you don't say it, somebody will say something to you. Do you know how people cast a spell on a person? Somebody speaks bad luck on you and then that catches up with you because you're saying nothing. Isn't it? So now, if I'm saying something in line with God, then that spell that the enemy is talking against me, all those wizards and witches and all those, whoever they are, whatever they say will not affect me because I am saying what I am in Christ. Amen. So, let's listen to this father. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. How? Father. The best. Can you tell your neighbor you are entitled to the best? 
The problem with most Christians is that we think humility, we think when you now think, ah, but that's too good for You see, this is good enough, man. This is, I think this is, no. You, you, you need to be treated like a king. You are a child of the king. You belong to the kingdom. Amen. Think like that. You are special. So he says, bring the best robe. Mm-hmm. And put it on him. Mm. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Mm. And bring the fetid calf here and kill it. Mm. And let us eat and be merry. So they want to be excited. They want to rejoice. There is great joy in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. Mm. For this my son was dead and is alive again. Mm. He was lost and is found. Mm. And they began to be merry. Yes, continue, because I want also us to go to the other one. Your favorite elder son. <laughs> now his older son was in the Do you know that the elder son was good? He was obedient, like some Christians. There are some Christians who are very good Christians, who are very obedient, who are loving God, like the elder son. That's good. But let's continue. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nearer to the house, he heard music and dancing. (laughs) So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fetid calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. But, but why was the elder son angry? Okay, I think he will talk for himself. Let's hear when the father goes to him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, this many years I have been serving you, and I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Okay, some children of God who are serving God faithfully. Do we have some of them among us? Good. Uh-huh. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Mm. But as soon as this one, as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fetid calf for him. Mm. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Hmm. It was right that we should make merry and be dead. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You see, the elder son was good in that he was obedient and everything. It's like some Christians today. But then he thinks, I'm not worthy of all these good things. I'll keep on serving like a servant. Other translation says, I've been slaving for you all these years. Yet you never gave me a kid. You didn't even say, you, why did they kill a fetid, a fetid calf for the other one? And he says, for me, you never even gave me a kid. A small goat. So that I can celebrate with my friends. So you think this father was cruel? I mean, why? This one is very faithful and very obedient. Why is this one not even getting a kid? The father says, 
My son, you are such an obedient son. You are always with me. Not just a kid. All that I have is yours. Amen. Amen. Did things become yours only after that time? They were yours all along. He did not know. God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. When you think you are humble and you are not even getting a kid to celebrate, the father is saying all that I have is yours. I love you so much that I want to do you good. Every day I'm planning good things for you. All that God needs from us is to receive. To have that attitude that I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a child of God. God has something best stored for me. He says, bring the best robe. Amen. Anything that you're thinking of. I, don't, I want you not to limit yourself. Some of you are trusting God for things. And your mind was telling you, but you're thinking too high. That's too much. Do you think God can say that? No. God says, bring the best. Bring the best. I want to take care of my children. Amen. I want to show the world that these are my children. These are my own. I take care of them. I protect them. I provide for them. I care for them. All that the father has is mine. Let's wind down. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. We'll do it in the Amplified and then conclude with Romans 8. 1 Corinthians 15.10 Amplified. But the grace, the unmerited favor and blessings of God, I am what I am. Okay, he says, but by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. In other words, I am what I am today because of God's grace. Because of God's unmerited favor. I did not have to qualify for what I am today. God has bestowed his love on me. You are seeing the manifestation of God's love. Because some of us, if, it were, if we were to be given according to what we've done, some of you should have been dead by now. But by grace, you're still here. Amen. Tell your neighbor, but by grace, I'm still here. Grace, still here. Amen. And I am what I am today because of the grace of God. Amen. And his grace has not brought me this far to fail me. Amen. The grace that brought me from wherever I came from is still going to take me through. Amen. Amen. There may be many forces that are coming against me. But look, I'm still a living testimony. Because some of you, if you were to share with us what you've gone through, we would be surprised, how are you still alive today? You should have long committed suicide. But grace. 
The grace of God has kept me. And the grace of God will keep me going. I'll keep on going in this grace. I'll keep on growing in the grace of God. It is the grace of God that has made me what I am today. Complete it. And his grace toward me was not found to be for nothing. Hmm. Fruitless and without effect. Hmm. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles, though it was not really I, but the grace, the unmerited favor and blessings of God, which was with me. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for his grace. That's what has made me special. His grace. Sometimes people talk about the grace of God, but they do not understand the grace of God. Every time you say to them, oh, it's by grace, by grace, but they do not understand what they mean. Amen. Amen. So may we see that you are somebody who has experienced the grace of God, even the way you live. Can we see the grace of God in you? We see the grace of God in the way you talk. We see the grace of God in the way you do things. You behave like somebody who has experienced the grace of God. Amen. You are serious about God. Do you know that there are some Christians who are lukewarm? Hmm. They are, here Paul says, I like what he said. He said, and his grace toward me was not for nothing. In other words, it's not, you, the grace toward me, you can see the fruit of grace in my life. There are some people where they have gone through the grace of God, but you can't see the fruit of grace. We can't see that indeed you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When it's Sunday, you even have to think, do I have to go to church or not? When it's time to give, do I really have to give or not? Uh, I don't even think I need to give my tithe. You're not thinking like a royal priest. Amen? You've been called for good works. The grace of God. May the grace of God stay you up. May the grace of God make you get excited. So that at least now you know it's not about me. I am what I am today because of the grace. Because there is this thing. Sometimes people when they are successful, they start thinking it's their own might that got them whatever they have. You remember Deuteronomy 8. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. In order to establish his covenant, we can swear to your fathers as it is this day. Because some people sometimes they think that when they are successful, it's because of them. Can I tell you? It is the grace of God. And don't forget the Lord when things are going well with you. Let me give you a practical example. Those of you, most of us, we are in Africa and we understand African things. Yesterday, I think I touched this one when I was talking to men. Do you know that you may think somebody is very successful and is very good and things are going well with him, they are well educated and all that, and all of a sudden you hear that their mind is not working well? Hmm? Hmm. So that self thing where the self-righteousness where you think I'm making it on my own. When the mind is now no longer working well, no amount of money can fix your mind. Okay? And you will find that now that person is now walking, roaming the street and you hear, but this person, 
is so much educated. This person owned this, 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 this. It means when things are well with us, let's keep on acknowledging the grace of God upon our lives. Let's never think that we are making it on our own. We need God. And let's keep on walking in his grace. Let's conclude with Romans 8.32. And we'll also use this one to bless the Lord with our substance. And after that, if there's anybody among us who's not feeling well in your body, you'll come and I'll pray for you. Romans 8.32 Amplified. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Amen. So the Bible says, God loved us so much that he did not spare his only son. He gave him up to come and die for us. So if he gave us Jesus, will he not give us all these other things? Do you know most of the things that we are struggling with? We think, what about that? What about that? What about this? What about this? But that's just too much. He says, if he did not spare his own son, shall he not give you every other thing together with him? He did not spare his son. He's going to give me every other thing. Whatever thing that you need, God wants to give it to you. Amen. God wants to bless you. He knows what you need. He knows what you are going through. Some of you say, my need is not even for money. I just need peace in my family. God has that. I, I, I've got peace. I've got money. But I, my body, I, I'm sick in my body. God wants to heal you. His grace is sufficient for each one of us. At whatever your point of need. Amen. You are special to God and enjoy the grace of God. Walk in this grace. If he did not spare or withhold his only son, shall he not give us all things together with him? So as we are going to give, I just want to encourage you because I want to mix these two things together using this scripture. You remember when God talked to Abraham to offer his only son? Isaac. He says, if you say you love me, I want to see what you can give me. You know that many people, <laughs> John puts it this way, John says, don't love with words only. Love with deeds and in action. Because some people like saying, oh, I love God. You know, I love God with all my heart. But you can't give God anything. Is that love? Imagine somebody says they love you, but they do nothing for you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So even here, with, with uh, Abraham, God says, give me your only son. And look at Abraham. Don't you think that was too much? Huh? Imagine if God had said to Abraham, I think Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, in gold, in all the things. You remember? Imagine if God said to Abraham, give me hundred of your cattle out of a thousand. 
Do you think that was going to be even an issue? No, that was not even an issue. He says, give me your only son. And then Abraham was prepared to do that. But for us, God is not even asking for your son. Anybody where God is asking you for your son? (laughs) To make sacrifice with your son? He's only asking for things that are even material things. Huh? That money is not even worth your son or your daughter, isn't it? And he says, if Abraham could give me that, those that are in covenant with me, I believe they can do the same. Because I've set an example when I loved them and gave. I also want them to love and give. As they love and give and walk in these principles, I'll keep on doing what I want to do for them. Because my eyes are moving to and fro upon the face of the earth. I want to show myself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to me. God is searching for people that are positioning themselves for his love. For his blessing. Amen. He did not spare or withhold his son. He gave him up for us all. He will also give us everything that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. So we can stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard. After that, worship team, you will help us with a song as we are giving God our substance.